To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Backyard Gardens podcast. And when I say everybody, I mean gardeners and homesteaders and farmers and all you beautiful people out there. We love you guys. And if you clicked on this episode real time, good for you. And if you came back to this episode because you didn't think it applied at that time that you saw it, then that sucks. Because, yes, we are going to talk about summer seeds, but there's a reason why, because in gardening, you do have to go back and forth between seasons, and at seed tar- starting time, it does happen, but this is to get you going in the right direction so you can plan appropriately, which we all have problems with sometimes, don't we, Batavia? <laughs> and I wasn't just calling you out. I mean, I have the same, I have the same problem, so um, there's, you know, there's a natural order in which things should go down as far as starting seeds for the garden. And your area drives a lot of it. Some of our, the windows are tighter than others. Um, But yeah. You know what doesn't drive it? What's that? The zone. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, here we go, boys and girls. Hold on to your horses. No, seriously. So, um, as Batavia rolls her eyes at me, I was just doing a seed starting chart for somebody in the same zone as me, but I had to get clarification from them. They only get below freezing like two times a year. They only get, say again? Below freezing like two times a year. But the fact that they can possibly, so that, like as I did the chart, I was like, are you joking? Because I was, you know, looking at weather averages and stuff. And it was just so different than what you can do. It's just more proof that like, and there's been people especially on like my YouTube channel, um, Sandy Bottom Homestead, that has said like, we need heat zones, not cold zones. And I'm like, amen, <laughs> we need heat zones. But I'm not going to be the one to spearhead that. So I just have the idea. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I back that idea as well because um, what you can't grow oftentimes is driven by kind of this, uh, what's now become an infamous zone yeah yeah we just made that up <laughs> you know it, it limits you right it tells you kind of some of your limitations and you know can set you up to say um hey you need to make some adjustments i mean we could go on and on about that but that's not what this episode is well it, it's not but it does have something to do with this when you're talking about heat and plants because mm-hmm As you go through and you're starting your seeds, you know, if you listen to last week's episode, which admittedly so, for some people, we were a little late getting that episode out, but for others, we're right on time. And so, you know, you're starting your seeds and you're building up to this cold weather. But, you know, for me, for instance, last week it was four or three days ago, it was 14 degrees outside and now it's 72. And you can see that the temp, the seasons can change very, very fast and when you're trying to intensively garden or, you know, really be productive, and I don't want to say intense, I just heard there was like a term about, um, what was not intensive. Chaotic. No, it was something I just saw somebody asking. I don't know what it was. It'll come to me in about 15 minutes and I'll just, I'll blurt it out. But as you start to try and produce more food, like catching the timing is everything and your microclimate, your area is really important. But mm-hmm. some seeds 
take longer to germinate. And we need to recognize that. Yes. What seeds agreed. do you start with for summer? That wasn't going to be a bail. You... I just wanted you. I didn't know if that's. <laughs> I didn't know if that was the pause. Like, Are we having a glitch? Is that the bail look? No. Yeah, um, uh, so my very first seeds, which I think we may have hinted at last week, for summer is going to be uh, peppers. Yeah. Yeah, peppers. And that's driven prime. Go ahead. We have a little bit of a delay here. And so this is getting uncomfortable because I'm like, is, am I gazing into your eyes? Is that what's happening? I'm like, <laughs> So maybe there's a the delay. He's just so distracted because uh, is, are these googly eyes? Oh, that's not the face, is it? Anyway, all right. So peppers, and it's because of how big I'd like my peppers to be when they go out. They're, in my experience, in the last five years, because I would normally prior to that have bought peppers and, you know, who knew how long they've been growing. Yeah. They are slower growers. They germinate quickly, I think. But they are slower growers, and the hots are the slowest. Uh, so yeah, why is yeah. that? I don't know. I've never Googled it. I, you know, maybe we should we should look the it up. The answer is there. Yeah, we should yeah. research I, I'm it. I'm not that interested. We're not gonna no, be prepared. I'm not interested. <laughs> no. <laughs> no peppers I, just, are. You know, I just make the adjustment. You know. Yeah. So we definitely have a delay, everybody. I know you can't hear it, but we can see it. So just work with us. We're not over talking each other. But not this time. So I'm going to do a countdown with my fingers every time I'm going to speak. How's that? But um, no, the peppers are difficult because, um, you know, I don't have quick germination from peppers. As a matter of fact, I have the opposite. I have slower germination than any. So I'll plant my peppers. Um, well, I've planted them already or started them, not planted. But sometimes I'll plant them, start them. Man, I'm going to have that confused. I'll, I'll show. Um, <laughs> two weeks before my tomatoes, roughly. And sometimes they're just coming up when I get my tomatoes in. And sometimes they even come up after my tomatoes have come up. It's, it's really weird. Like, I get worried that they are um, rotting. The mm-hmm, seeds are mm-hmm. rotting. So that's why I switched to that perlite. That, the pepper seed was the whole reason why I started topping my seed starting with perlite instead of no, burying the seed. It was the yeah. precipice to it. I don't I don't have consistent um, germination with all of my peppers, but I kind of factor in variety, uh, age of seed, you know, they're yeah. all basically under the same conditions. Uh, so because I'm starting, you know, I don't know the count, but we'll talk about that later this month. Uh, but I'm starting easily a dozen types of peppers. And so with that, I'm just looking across the board, like what's popping up. So if I have something pop up, I'm just kind of playing the waiting game for the rest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. But I've uh, just as a, a note, if you're listening to this in real time, this isn't your worry, because if you haven't started already, you'll be starting them. I've put peppers out small and nicely sized, planting them out. I'm using that word intentionally. And I kind of feel like it all ends up being the same thing in the end. You know, when it comes to when are my preppers producing, when are they ripening? So in our um, Facebook group, um, Backyard Gardens, Community Garden, we have what you yeah, please come join us. There is a gentleman in there. Um, I, man, I'm sorry. I can't say your last name. I don't want to butcher it on air. I'm sorry. But um, you'll know when you go in there. Will grows. Um, he's got a lot of land that he grows on. And he was listening to our episode 
about where you had said you put out your peppers really small and said mm-hmm. in his experience, putting out smaller peppers has actually produced more peppers, he feels like. So mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know how I feel about that because it seems counterintuitive, but it's got to have something to do with like transplant shock, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Um, but it's interesting to hear. And it's something that I do want to try out and see if that is the case. I mean, I don't know if I could even like replicate it or anything like that. But it's interesting to think because, you know, it's like when you go buy a tomato plant, you, you, you don't ever want to buy the biggest tomato plant there because it's not going to produce the most like that's end of story so when we go through it you you build you you want to get like a small or a medium tomato plant it may be the exact same thing for the peppers i don't know yeah i um so there have been a couple of reasons why i've done it one just you know late on you know kind of the timing of everything but one year i did i had smaller ones because i intentionally started them later because of the previous experience i've had with um with aphids don't even get me started oh dear goodness Uh, so indoors and it just it's the work that i had to do to keep them under control naturally with and i mean like by hand rinsing plants off and all of that um and i realized that once they get to a certain age that's when they really set in so i wanted to start them later so i wouldn't have to manage that bit and so i ended up putting them out later but i also believe i listed out the things that are impacting and i also believe my climate impacts it as well you know yeah. so you, you look at this and you say i can grow a lot of things in the middle of summer that some people in hotter places can't but my heat loving plants one could argue they may put on a bit slower than other places that are hotter right. longer so there's that and as we know variety does matter sometimes so you know when you're trying to do stuff like that variety mm-hmm. now um i do we we jumped right into this really fast today which i'm very proud of but i do want to take a second and say check out our links below to help out the show all that good stuff and um you know support us where you can become an apple subscriber or a patron and we would love to see you there thank you boom um, I want to know your opinion about this one because typically this is my second or third one to start, but that's eggplants. Where do you, do you, have you started eggplants yet or I've, as of this recording, I've not started eggplants and I would have three years ago said no, but over the last three years, I realized that they have, they are too kind of slow. Yeah. And their slowness indoors and putting out a smaller plant. So I'd love for Will to chime in on this. Like eggplants take quite a bit of growth. Those the plants, again, variety matters. So if you look at like a larger um, purple, traditional purple or, you know, like a black beauty or something, that plant needs to get some size on it before it starts producing flowers. So you got a lot of growth that needs to happen by the time it gets outside. Eggplants are probably um, the when it comes to fruiting plants in the summer, they take a bit longer, I think, in my garden to produce. Yeah, they get to ripe pretty quickly once they produce and get to size, you know, yeah, mine like take, a tomato that's green for all of the summer. <laughs> yeah, mine take a long time, too. And I've, I've played with it for a number of years. And I've put them out small, too, and it's not been an issue. But I have long, hot summers and they typically mm-hmm. like hot. Now, I will say this just my experience on variety 
I like growing the um, Ichiban type, you know, the long skinny ones, Japanese ones. Mm-hmm. They seem to produce mm-hmm. a lot more. The only difference is they're just not as, they're not what you think of when you think about eggplant and you cook them. You know, you don't get that big fat mm-hmm. eggplant mm-hmm. or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I usually start my peppers and then I can go into my eggplants or go on from that. And I mean, I've been burned quite a few times because as you guys know, I sell seedlings. Man, nobody likes to buy an eggplant. Nobody lo- likes eggplants at all. It's crazy. It's such an easy-ish crop to grow and so high producing. But so I've started, I think last year or two years ago, I started like 50 of them and sold one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just going to start some for myself. But um, it's interesting to, to to hear because, I mean, the seed's really small as well. And I don't know if that factors into it. I've been interested in that and I've done some research on it. And it, it doesn't seem like it does, but I think the amount of heat required for it to grow definitely has something to do with it because of, you know, the ambient temperature in your house or what have you. That would be a good one for you to start downstairs, I bet. In the basement, yeah. yeah. I was uh, just doing a quick search. I went to the farmer's almanac, and the information isn't consistent, but one variety of eggplant that they named, they're estimating 100 to 120 days to maturity. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. My eyes got big, and I started to look around uh, to see, like, you know, is this, are they listing this for many of the eggplants? You know, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to look back maybe from when I planted last year to when I started harvesting. It feels like I got it sooner than that, but maybe not. Yeah, germination time is what we want to look at, is what I like to look at, because that really dictates a lot of um, when I start them. You know, it says, um, as I thought, it was seven to 14 days for germination. Mm -hmm. Which is in line with peppers. I think there's also, you know, now you're kind of, you're adding a complexity to it, but also fold in how the health of the plant when it's still indoors. So if you think about starting something like what's the harm in starting things early, right? You know, you may have a plant indoors longer than ideally you'd like. Yeah. You know, so something like once you get to these summer plants that we're talking about plants that really they have to have certain con- um, temperature conditions before they get outside. You know, so eggplants, from what I've seen, they also grow slower leaf by leaf. Um, I've not seen any harm in having an air quote older eggplant. Unlike things like tomatoes, you know, they shoot up and, you know, they start to get root bound, you know. So that's one of those things you don't necessarily want to start too early. Yeah. But I think we're getting close to it. Well, yeah. And you can also, um, you can up pot those too. So that's a big thing. You know, that's that's a plant that you can up pot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, typically I start my peppers and then I'll do my eggplants and then I move, you know, I'll wait a couple weeks and I'll start my tomatoes. And that's like, this is the moment (laughs) when you know that you're going to garden this year. It's Mm -hmm. something about that tomato. I don't know what it Mm -hmm. is, but when you start that tomato plant, you know you're fitting to start a garden. And that's all there is to it. So, um, what do you have a date in which you start your tomatoes? You know, so I plan on starting them this year, something closer to the very end of 
February to the very first week of March. Right. Um, so, again, I've learned that a smaller tomato plant, again, going out is fine. Um, so I'm not worried about that. I generally up pot these things. I know some people feel very strongly about not doing that. And I, I generally up pot something like tomatoes. So I'm OK with them really kind of getting larger. But if I'm putting my tomatoes out, like, let's say I really, you know, achieve the goal of the first week of May. I mean, if I start them at the first week of March, I have eight week old tomatoes. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But those could be some pretty sizable tomatoes. That's I usually do eight weeks out from my planting date for my tomatoes. So I do um, around Valentine's Day, give or take, I'll start them. And um, I do up pot them as well for a number of reasons. But I find that if I up pot them and I can get them in the ground at the right time, I don't have crazy issues. But the worst thing you can do for any of these plants is have them root bound. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's the worst thing you can do. So it's simple as, you know, I take... Like if I use a six pack or anything, I'll pull one out and see, make sure the roots aren't wrapping at the bottom. And mm -hmm. if they're starting to wrap, then I'll go ahead and replant. You know, ideally, I would want to pick it up and have some soil fall out of the bottom of it and mm -hmm. be like, OK, we're mm -hmm. good. And then, you know, start to up pot. But um, yeah, I do up pot my tomatoes. I've always done that, but I only up pot them once. I don't you know, if I have to up pot them again, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. So, but I've had them where I've up potted them and I've let them get root bound and they still grow. So yeah. I haven't had, I mean, they're very forgiving in that manner. And I don't think peppers are as forgiving when it comes to up pot or to, um, um, root being root bound. So, and again, if you don't know what root bound is, that's when the root is basically taking up all of the soil and it can't grow and you'll see it wrapping around in circles trying to find a way out or you know busting through the bottom of the container so those are the two things you can look for for that yeah it's almost like it's not exactly a wound but think about like a wound needing to heal before you continue to grow Mm -hmm. You know, so it has to adjust through that transplant shock because everything's going to experience a little bit of transplant shock if yeah. you're moving it from indoors outside. Um, and then also having to deal with, all right, you know, let me stretch these these legs out. Um, and in that case, I fluff my roots out a little bit um, when Do I'm you? planting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I, I don't fluff them out. Mm -hmm. For tomatoes, yeah, I'm not as concerned about uh, disturbing them, especially if they, they've gotten wound up. I don't experience a lot of that root boundness. Sometimes I up pot mine three times. It depends. That's it. One could argue it's a little bit excessive. It's all combined with where did I start the tomatoes? Like what size? Um, seed sale and then how early did I start them so I may go from the really tiny ones you see like your typical when you go to the store the six pack then I may move them up to that deeper six pack I think those are the ones that you use it requires a little bit more room and then sometimes I'll move them into a single pot now again yeah ideally I'd only want to make that move one time um, and I've actually also been able to not need to up pot at all start in that middle pot that I talked about the deeper six inch or six sail um, start and leave them there because generally unless you let plants get 12 weeks old or something they have enough room right yeah I, let me ask you yeah ask so I lost my train of thought uh oh should have wrote it down 
Yeah. How dare ye? Yeah, well, here we are. But yeah. go on. You're going to add something. <laughs> so Batavia's I lost my train of thought face is amazing. Just so you know, <laughs> it's like complete disappointment, a little bit of sadness, but also there's like a slight hint of joy in her eyes. It's like you have a half a second of I lost it, a half a second of do you, I think I could get it back? And then a whole second of ah, oh, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's our future. Just so you know, the older we get. But um. No, it's, you know, I just, with the way that you're up potting is almost like I am because you're just going from like a smaller, you know, you're stepping up, but you know, you, you don't want to, I wouldn't recommend people getting into like, you know, transplanting into like full on containers and then being mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to put this full size plant in my garden. It's like, it comes to a point where it's like, look, let's just leave it and where it is. And if I get them like. I started last year using like deep, I think they're two and a half inch pots. And I started this last year, if they get too big because I sell them and they're sitting, then I'll put them in a, um, I think I have a five inch round pot that I put them in and that would be the fine, absolute final. And that's only if they're getting too, because I don't want to give somebody a seedling that's not good. It looks like mm-hmm. you got your question back. Yeah, it's um, it was your opinion on, because I don't think I've seen you do this. Maybe I've saw you done it do it with onions what do you think about people like you know they may take a regular um round seed um uh, pot or like a a solo cup or something and they'll start like all of the same variety like you know 10 or 12 tomato seedlings in that one cup and then later kind of their next step is now i'm going to transplant them into its own individual you know seed start or whatever have you so that works in my opinion for some things but Mm -hmm. i think it's not smart to do it for a lot um you know when you take a small like i mean let's just stick with tomatoes and when you take a small seedling that's starting to get life and then you break it apart from others like the roots get intertwined and i mean you've pulled up small seedlings before i'm sure you've seen there would be like two or three roots i mean imagine if you lost 33 percent of like if you took away your ability to eat 33% of your food, how how would you feel? You'd starve. So I think some plants, it just, it doesn't work well. Now mm-hmm. that being said, I did that with um, basil one year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I actually got pissed and I was like, whatever, I'm just going to throw these in. And I threw them in a cup and then I took that and I broke it into separate cups afterwards. And that worked out pretty good. But I, I kind of didn't really care about the basil, and it was a solid mat of roots underneath, mm-hmm. and it recovered well. But tomatoes, even though they're easy to grow, I feel like in in the uh, seedling stage, like you know, infant stage, I think they're really delicate. And even though they will put out roots from their stem, I don't think we should take it for granted and risk it. That's my opinion, mm-hmm. though. It doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. And I know there's somebody listening right now yelling at the radio, but um, that's just kind of how it works. So I do it and it works fine. And that's good. Yeah, I think I think a lot of this is that's getting into preference. So yeah. some years I've done it. Uh, I've not done it for tomatoes, but some years I've done it for some herbs. Some years I haven't. So something like basil, you know, my eyes perked up. Something like, especially those seeds that are really, really fine. Things like thyme, you know, things like, um, you know, oregano if you're starting that. Like, think about how sometimes you go to the store, even if you, I know you don't do a, 
much purchasing of transplants at all anymore. Uh, but you see kind of this larger pot of parsley. That's many, many plants. Yeah. And the key is that they can grow happily that way. Yes. You know, you're not necessarily just planting out parsley in one seed two inches apart in a row. That's not really how a lot of us grow it. So I think for those, it can be easier, especially because of how small those seeds are. And then it may actually save you a step for when it comes to like up potting. Yeah, because those things, if you do them, like even in that small, like what is it, like a four inch round uh, circle kind of pot, you could take that outside when you're ready and transplant it. Now, the one thing that I would do, if I wasn't selling seedlings, the one thing I would 100% do it with is onions. Onion mm-hmm. roots are very, very strong. Um, if I was going to grow onion, then this isn't a podcast talk about onions at all because you should already have them going. But um, I would put them in and then just break them apart and put them into my garden. I, I did that this year, actually, when I kind of I started them. And I wasn't happy with the way they were, so I went ahead and transplanted them into six packs. And mm-hmm. I was just, run- I had like a bunch of cells that didn't have enough. Because basically, the way I do it is I try to put three onions in each cell in a six pack. So a six pack is 18 onions because you can break them apart. Mm-hmm. But I had a lot of cells that only had like one onion or something. So I would just stick them in the side for myself. And I did that, and it worked out absolutely perfect so there's no I have no issue with that but that's one I would do for that for myself all the time but um, back on track so we've gone through tomatoes or in order peppers eggplants tomatoes and then it seems like there's a break wouldn't you say Mm-mm. yeah 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 mm-hmm. you, so you, the, I know the next group for you are well go ahead are you gonna tell take us? a guess take a guess these are your squashes if you're starting them indoors. That's my next group. No, mine would actually be the basil. Oh, okay. Yeah, I keep forgetting about basil. Yeah. And so actually this year I'm doing something a little bit different with basil. Um, so I'm going to be planting a lot of it. Uh, just th- so you guys know what I've I've learned um, and observed. So I got bees last year. The summer is a dearth period where they can't get any kind of pollen. But I kept noticing that my bees were bringing in pollen. I was talking to the guy mentoring me, and I'm like, they don't have any... He's like, their mine aren't bringing any pollen. Mine every day were. I went to my neighbor's house, and she's got basil everywhere, and it's all fully Mm. bolted. And there were bees covering it. And I was like, man, these are all Mm -hmm. my bees. Like, I could tell they were honeybees. And um, so I did some research and found out that the pollen on the basil provides the right amount of protein for them to use to raise their young. So we're going to go into basil this year heavily so that they can, you know, just let it bolt so they can use it because Mm -hmm. I grew purple basil last year and the purple basil did not bolt until October. Like I would, after I saw that, I was like, well, I'm going to let him let it bolt. It never would bolt. It would not bolt no matter what I did. So I'm going to go into basil a little bit heavier this year. Um, And that's another one. I'll start probably a month after my um after my tomatoes i'll start that a month later and so you start getting into herb but herbs can be very difficult too because they're i mean they're all over the place with germination time yeah i think uh, basil is a a one that germinates a little bit quicker than some of the others Uh, basil is super super cold uh, sensitive, mm-hmm. right? You know, so I kind of feel like I'm starting my basil a little, a little bit closer when I'm starting my tomatoes, but that's just me in my space again. Yeah. You know, um, 
I do. I think you can transplant basil super small if the weather yeah. is okay, and it will take off. Um, and I have a a longer, I think, season than you do before it bolts. But my basil bolts too. You yeah. Know, if I don't stay after it. Um, and as an aside, I found out last year that I can actually transplant basil closer to like you know late August again and still get a lot of basil yeah. for the fall before it gets cold cold here yeah basil is one of those and so as far as starting herbs from seed you know like rosemary i've tried i just take cuttings now i don't even bother with it so i'll take cuttings i don't need any more rosemary i don't even eat the rosemary that i grow um i haven't grown a lot of sage so but i think that one takes a long time to grow too i'm pretty sure yeah. it does I actually stop now and and start these types of herbs. The I mean, it could take up to three weeks to start those. So I would have been starting some of those in between last week and this week. Yeah, kind of listening to the podcast, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's just my thing, you know. So everything from mint to um, rosemary never gets up to the size that we ideally want our rosemary plants. That's been my experience when tr- trying it from seed. I've grown sage from seed, um, and it it can it can handle. You know, some of the weather as well from, you know, warm to hot to cool. Um, I've done things like Mary Jam. I've done things like Lemon Balm. And they all are like watching paint dry when it comes to them germinating and even growing, you know. So once they're in whatever the seed sale or whatever have you is and under lights. Um, So. So, yeah. So the next step is and this is. I have to be very clear about this. I'm in coastal North Carolina and my last frost date is April 1st. That being said, I generally don't really start planting tomatoes until about the 15th of April. Generally speaking, um, it's all depending on the weather pattern at the time, but that's, that's my target date for all of this. So if you look at it, that's when I can start putting out my tomatoes, but I still may not put out my peppers for another week. Maybe because once it starts to warm up here, it goes fast. Once we get our last frost day, it will start to warm up fast. But around like the third week of March, that's when I'll start my squashes. But I almost don't even like to start them in my house. It, it's kind of a pain because that last month of the seed starting season or before the last frost, things start getting a little hectic because I'm starting to up pot. Things are getting bigger. I'm, I'm losing a lot of space. And the beauty of these next batch of vegetables is they don't need to be started months ahead of time. The recommendation is, and my recommendation is about a month of seed starting time before transplant because they don't like to have their their roots disturbed. Mm -hmm. So I do like to try and get those in and I may not even start. Like I said, I have my greenhouse and I can start them in there. Um, And then like for everything else, like I may make a batch of them, start them by seed, but then put them outside during the day when it's warm and bring them in at night. And I can do a tray of those and that will kind of get me going. So uh, that includes squashes and melons at this point. But melons, I'm not starting yet either. I'm going to wait another couple weeks to start those because it likes to be, they like to be really warm. So Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to take a chance with that. But once I start moving plants outside and hardening off, then I have more room in here. And then that's like my final push. 
Yeah. So I'm in Chicago, Illinois, and my average last frost date is April the 17th. So that's just over two weeks from yours. Um, and but looking at what I've done, like looking at my sea starting sheet, looking at what I've done previously, a good time for me is about the first week of April for these. Yeah. Um, so they get big enough to get a couple of true leaves, right? But not to the point where they're getting kind of floppy. I don't want to up pot these. So these no. are, for me, I'll add my squash. I'm, if I'm going to steal the thunder here. This is my squash, you know, maybe a week after I start my squash, maybe I'm starting my cucumbers. They may be starting at the same time, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, maybe the week before I'm starting like, my okra because sometimes those are a little bit slower um, but you don't need much of an okra plant to transplant it so remember i said the f- last week of march or the first week of april for like my tomatoes so then we're looking at the very last week of uh of wait did i say that last week of march last week of february first week of march was for my tomatoes so now I'm looking at a month later, last week of March, yeah. first week of April for my things like squash, cucumbers, and maybe okra kind of as a last uh, inside date. Remember this year, I'm trying to start these things inside as much as I can, just based on some things I've had with uh, the issues I've had with the garden outside. Um, and uh, the one thing I keep on meaning to mention is... I, I am a little bit more conscious about hardening things off in the summer or my summer plants. Yeah. You know, so when we talk about kind of this timing, you know, you could be dealing with four five, six, seven days of hardening things off um, in addition to waiting. So, again, it, maybe in an ideal world, I've looked at other Chicago gardeners like a May one or the Mother's Day is kind of one of those um, kind of traditional um, milestones. So I think that's like the 8th or the 9th of May or something. That's a good time to transplant things. I want my weather for my summer plants. I want it to be 50 degrees or, or above at night. Yeah. You know, so I want the lowest temp to be 50 or above. Well, and that's important um, so. too when you come into tomatoes and stuff as well. Like, I mean, they can handle it, but they don't like it. And you just mm-hmm. don't want to start off with a lot of shock, you know? Yeah. Um, that'll just set you back moving forward. Because and I, I, mean, I don't I, want to... Go ahead. Just really quickly, I don't want to have to rerun it out trying to cover these plants either. No, you know? no, not at all. Because I mean, at that point too, a cover may not help. You know, when you have a small seedling. Now, I will say this about the squash and stuff like that: um, the fact that you don't have to start them early that does that means that you can direct sow these. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you may steal my thunder, but I'm going to bring the lightning. When you go and you buy a transplant. Just remember that transplant's probably about a week or two old. That's it. You could you could stick a seed in the ground, direct sow it, and have that same growth with minimizing your transplant shot completely at the same time yeah. and save a lot of money. So just just remember that um, it's really important that we understand that. Now the benefit of starting them early is you do get a little bit of a jump on it and i like to start mine even like i said i'll start them in pots outside little containers to transplant just because i'm a lot of times i'm waiting for something to come out of the garden i'm Mm -hmm. waiting for my cabbages to be done um like this year where i'm gonna put my squashes i'm trying to think off the top of my head 
I believe I'm going to have rutabagas there. So I've got to wait for my rutabagas to be done. And they may be finishing up around that time, but at least I can have a plant ready to go so I can extend that and take that pressure off of me and not feel like I'm missing my timing for it. Yeah. I've, uh, so the prior crops before we got to like the squashes and things, these things were starting indoors because we need that head start based on the total time of our growing season. Right. I need my pepper plant to be eight to 12 weeks old. I don't need to start. I want to start with, you know, a seed on May 1st because that pepper plant will, it's unlikely that it's going to produce peppers for me based on my uh, the time of my growing season. To your point, once we get to these squashes and the cucumbers, I, you know, I have pictures of my phone right now of cucumbers in some store without true leaves. Yeah. You know, so it's like I feel like they've sowed the seed and put it on a truck or something. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I bet that's what I, they've done. I would almost guarantee you that's what they do. They sow the seed, and that's why there's five seeds in there. Mm-hmm. And you have um, it's really, really um, icy conditions. I think we had a really good run with our streets and sand, like you know, putting salt down. But I'm watching people drive and walk. Like very, very slowly. I have some new glasses I'm supposed to pick up and I'm kicking myself for not doing it yesterday now. Um, so anyway, I the reason why I am now this year, and this could change in the future, starting the, many of these things indoors is because last year I just fought with your favorite roly-polies and eating up seedlings as they emerge yeah. from the ground. Now, it doesn't mean that they won't eat this transplant, but from what I've found based on my garden, that transplant has a better chance. It's a stronger plant than the seedling that just emerged from the ground. And I can do a couple of other things to try to protect the stem and to tr- protect those lower leaves. Um, so that's the goal. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have some level of loss when it comes to transplanting some of these things out because they'll be eaten up. But I feel like it'll increase my odds. Well, when it comes to squashes, I do it um, simply to try and beat the um, life cycle of the, uh, the the little bastard, or as a new person might know it as, the squash vine borer. <laughs> so um, that's something that I try. You know, I did that last year, and I was able to get a full harvest without getting decimated. So um, you know, moving forward, we're going to do that. But you know, when it comes down to all of this, what it's really equating to is having a good plan in place. And like I said, I had my, um, you know, my squashes or melons started because I had something else in. And the only way that I was really able to keep track of all that was using the planter app. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a sponsor of the show and it's a sponsor for a good reason, because it is an amazing, amazing platform. That's basically an all in one shop for you. Um, It's a drag and drop interface, square foot, very visual, has all the planning information you need. And they've also just released an update so first of all they continuously update it which is amazing but they added the seed box which is a way to organize um, what seeds you have within the app so it's becoming this all-in-one garden planning device for you it's available on your google store apple store you can use it on your phone your pc your tablet whatever you want 
And there's a link below that will get you a substantial discount on a lifetime membership. So you only need to pay once and you have access to it forever. And I strongly suggest you use it. I was talking to the creator the other day and I was like, man, I got a lot of garden plants. He was like, yeah, I think you and I have the most garden plans out of everybody because I just don't delete them. And I think they're working on a way to organize those. So um, it's constantly being updated. Um, Check it out. Link below sponsors the show all that good stuff. And also, um, the creator is in the backyard gardens, community garden, Facebook group. So feel free to get in there and chat away. (laughs) So I actually was considering before we started today, um, I don't know when that downtime is going to come, but going in and loading uh, previous year's garden plans. Yeah. Cause now I'm really getting at the point of, especially with, hear the disdain in my voice especially with my commitment to doing more crop rotation like i am going off of memory i'm going off of old videos to figure out what was in that bed in 2021 yeah you know and so it'll be nice because i'm in the planter app for 2024 saying wait what was in there for 2021 yeah and i'm already starting to think about 2025 as an example um so, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm super excited. I, I was checking out the seed box. Um, it's, I mean, once you start to really get into this, keeping records, again, begrudgingly so. I want the freedom of just saying, I close my eyes and I sprinkle seeds. That's a chaotic gardening thing. And then I have all kinds of bounty and it doesn't quite work like that. Uh, but keeping records, it's just each year proving to be more and more important to me. So to have him in, have a lot of your records in this one resource is pretty cool. So earlier in the show, I couldn't remember something and I got to say it right now. It was aggressive gardening was the term that I've been seeing around lately. I don't know much about it, but I'm going to look into it. Uh, Sounds ridiculous, but you never know. It might be great. Um, But yeah, so we've, we've got our squashes and melons are the last ones that I would start. And I, sometimes I just don't even want to start them, but I do it for the same reason because I'm waiting for things to get out of my garden, but they may be in the pot for two weeks you know, not that long before I'm taking them out. So, you know, we've gone through, um, actually we forgot to mention cucumbers. So I already mentioned cucumbers. My cucumbers are already like three weeks old while you've been talking. Really? So I do mine about the same time as my squashes. I'll do my cucumbers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Same mm -hmm, idea. Agreed. Um, and we're, I'm going to take a second here in a minute and go through stuff that I would redo throughout the summer as well to kind of help with that. But um, taking the idea out of my head, yeah. am I? Mm-hmm. Man, we've been talking to get too much all these years. Um, but you know, getting all these things in the ground at the right time, getting them planned and executing it is important. And we've gone from stuff that takes, and I, I looked it up, it can take up to two months for a hot pepper to germinate sometimes, depending. Um, and you know, heat mats can help with that as well just so you guys know um all eggplants tomatoes melons or look at me going out of order herbs squashes cucumbers melons and then you're kind of set for that aspect of it but then there's also plants that you can redo throughout the summer as well and basically wherever you are you can at least one more time do some of these vegetables again 
to make sure that you have a continuous flow of harvest coming in. Yeah. I'm only doing what I'm about to say because of troubles I've had. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because you start something, then there's some level of caring for it. But because I've had two years in a row where I've had some sketchy kind of melon growth. Yeah. And it all ties to um, direct sowing. And again, those plants either don't germinate, germinated, and then, um, you know, got eaten up. I'm actually that first week that I start my melons along with I'm starting mine along with my squash so I mean I'm already detecting I'm probably going to have plants that are going to be larger than I want them to be going out you right. know when it gets to these group of plants um, but I'm going to end up starting another round about two weeks later with the understanding of I may not actually plant those but they're going to be just basically right. backups you know um, I do think separating melons from it um, I think cucumbers and summer squash absolutely fall into that territory uh most of us can try to plant a second round of those one thing we didn't talk about was winter squash where are you when are you starting your winter squash um same time yeah usually around my squashes um maybe Mm -hmm. even around my melons depending on my weather so winter Mm -hmm. squashes typically but see they have such a long growing time it's yeah you know when i make the seed starting plans which you can email me below and for a small fee and we'll make them for you um squashes and winter squashes are different i've broken them apart Mm -hmm. because you know both of them grow in the same way as which kind of you're almost going to get what you're going to get off of them to an extent winter squashes are a little bit better where they can keep producing but they take so long to get to that that there's a different time frame in which to start them so that's why like um going into this last piece of it is you know, you can continuously throughout the summer be starting squashes and cucumbers are the big ones that you can do. And when I say squashes, remember, we're talking not winter squashes, mm-hmm. which is a broad spectrum thing. But, you know, just use your imagination and you, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do. Yes, yeah. I do. But mm-hmm. with squashes and themselves, you know, especially with the squash vine borer, we have to understand if you have issues with it in your area, there's a specific life cycle for it. It doesn't mm-hmm. just last all season. So I'll try and get my squashes out early, beat, and then try and get my harvest before they can get to it, pull them out. But at the same time, what I typically do is when my squash starts producing, I start another seed somewhere, somehow. I may direct sow it. I may start it in another pot, something like that, you know, a container, and then just try and keep it going that way. So because they have a short growth cycle, you know, winter squashes can be 90 days. Um, You know, regular squashes, I can't remember, I think it's like 45 days is what they advertise everybody, but it's typically longer than that. So if you think about it, from spring until your first frost, and, you know, even a little bit before your first frost, you got to be gentle with the temperatures. You've got, most people have a growing season of at least 100 days. Mm-hmm. So you can get at least two rounds in. Same with the cucumbers, you know. Um, a lot of times cucumbers will, if you leave one cucumber on the vine to go to seed, then the whole vine will stop producing. And it happens. So I'll start those as well. Same thing, about the time I start seeing flowers, I'll start another cucumber seed. Now, that doesn't mean I always plant them, 
but the seeds mm-hmm. are so cheap and so available that it, you know, at least I have them ready to go. Yeah, it's, um, I have 198 frost-free days, so um, April the 17th for the average last frost and November the 1st for the average first frost, so difference is the 198 days. But this goes back to our, our heat zone. Right. Yeah. You know, so those aren't not those are not all super hot days. That weather is up and down from, you know, obviously it's coming out of winter into spring. And then on the other end of it, you know, it starts to sometimes feel more like spring, you know, so things like melons. That's the reason why I've had trouble and delays in, you know, lack of production in some cases. I've had melons on the vine, but they're they're not ripening or they get to a point in the season where they start to, you know, get that weirdness and growth. Um, I had two years where I took winter squash off the vine, but it had not ripened. And those are, and I took it off the vine because I was getting my frost. Yeah. And those are not vegetables that ripen on the counter. Like what you got is what you got. You may cure them, you know, but if it's not fully ripened, then you're stuck with those things never taste good either. Um, so anywho, I, I mean, I think I, a couple of years in a row, planted out, I direct so that's what it is, June like 20th. And that ended up being too late for me. For squashes? For winter squash. Winter, winter squash. squash, yeah. Yeah. But if you did regular squash, you would have been fine. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that's important to understand. And that's, where, you know, same with the cucumbers and stuff like that. Now you can even do stuff like, like and you start playing with varieties you can trick stuff, you know, for me, just because I start my tomatoes in February doesn't mean that I only get one shot. You know, I can start tomatoes all the way up until May and then I can start taking cuttings and propagating tomatoes to plant out until July here. So I have multiple months to do that, but mm-hmm. because of these plants only needing to be in a container for about roughly a month at most before you can plant them out, you can see, you know, you can visualize how much time you need. And you also have to understand too, when it's once your last frost date hits, you can start all these outside and you don't have to harden them off. So you're taking out a week of it right out the gate. You can start the plant. You can say, okay, I'm going to put my squash in bed number two. And you can start all of the squashes right next to bed number two. So you just put them right in, you know, no issues, no worries, nothing like that. The problem I have is taking care of them as it gets hotter and hotter. That's the problem I have. Yeah, it's um, so don't don't use this as a rule. But if your weather is warmer, I end up spending less time hardening some of these summer things off. You still have the difference between like the sun and the intensity compared to your grow light. So, I mean, it is still required, but I'll do things like putting them on the side of the house where it's super shady. um, And, you know, like it gets a bit of sun, you know, just a little bit during the day, or I'll put them in, you know, um, on my back porch underneath my little uh, patio furniture where there's no direct sun there. It's just heat, you know, and it's a little right. bit protected. So I do things like that. I think that, um, and it doesn't mean that you're growing any of these, obviously, you know, you may decide to pass on one or more of these vegetables, but if you are growing these, these are some of the kind of ways and order in which, you know, we recommend, I would say we recommend for most gardeners, um, 
I was looking at some other things when it came to the transition for spring to uh, excuse me to summer and you mentioned this a couple of times and I think it's super important because I've struggled with this and I think I got my hands around it for the most part but I've struggled with you got something in the garden in a place where you want to put something (laughs) in your garden you know so waiting for when you get to this multi-season gardening waiting for something to come out and so I think that's again going back to having things lined up when it comes to your schedule Right. Um, Understanding and you'll learn more and more about this every year, even experienced gardeners do, especially if you introduce something new. How long does it take in your area for something to actually come to maturity? Yeah, because, I mean, heat draw makes a big factor into it for these summer plants. Mm -hmm. And like we said in the beginning, don't be misinformed just because we talked about spring last episode and talk about summer like this mm-hmm. is the order in which we start our seeds mm-hmm. and yeah. so we, we can't drag it out for months and months and months but you know no matter where you are once you figure out your starting dates like these are the orders in which we have found to be more successful for you know starting the seeds and you know a lot of the ones at the end don't even need to be started you could direct sow them Mm -hmm. and it works Mm -hmm. just fine yeah and we didn't cover off on like a bush bean or a pole bean as an example because most people i believe direct sow them i'm going to give them a try to start them in well this is you know kind of winter me talking i'm going to start those indoors too only because again of all the trouble i had i had to restart and restart and restart outside beans last year because they were eaten up and i finally believe it or not the ones that took in the backyard remember that whole thing by the garage that trellis those were from transplants and i say transplants because they volunteered someplace in the garden i just moved them over so what it did for me is it proved that it could survive that you know, um, so, so yeah. The only reason why I don't do that is just because they grow, I mean, so So fast, fast. you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, wow. Um, but yeah, if you're having issues, you can do it, but you know, we, we covered the basic top ones. Um, a lot of the ones that you may be thinking, well, what about this? What about that? Well, we typically don't start those inside. That's why we didn't cover ones. Um, beans, for example, uh, Batavia is going on a limb and I mean, she's more than welcome to do that, but you know, otherwise like if you the literature the experiences that we've had um you know and even the ones i can't stress enough the ones at the ends are really questionable if it's Mm going to meet mm -hmm. what we want to do so we just got to remember that as we do all this stuff um but you know it sets you up to get a schedule and get an order and what what i think the beauty of this is is it makes it less chaotic for you um yeah you know i I started 100 pepper seeds the other day and it's nice because I start my pepper seeds and I'm done and then I wait mm-hmm, and then I start mm-hmm, my tomato mm-hmm. seeds and I'm done. And it's not like, all right, I've got to do all this stuff at once. I can space it out. And that's the really way it should be. Yeah. So I'm starting a few more of some of the, the last grouping of these plants and I'm starting them together to kind of knock them all out. But please be very clear. If I didn't have some of the pest pressures that I've been fighting the last couple of seasons, I'd be back to direct sowing all of these. It's just easier for my style of gardening and for managing things. So, but because I have, I got to try something different. I still may be sprinkling in some things from a direct sowing perspective that started indoors even. But what I I mean, and the, the whole thing behind it is we want you to test things out Mm -hmm. because if you don't test things out, you don't learn to grow and you definitely don't grow for change. See ya.
Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Thanks for checking out the show. If you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash backyardgardens, or you can be an Apple subscriber. And in both of those, you'll get an extra episode every month. You can also make a one-time PayPal donation with the link below. And you can get all kinds of gardening gear, like t-shirts and mugs and cups from the link below at Teespring. And we have an Amazon store, which has all the products that we use and recommend in our gardens and it helps support our show and we also add to this list periodically so be sure to check it out periodically to see if there's anything that you need for your garden everything that you do including a like and a subscribe and even a review will help us learn to grow and grow for change see ya